Gladys Goes It Alone, Chapter 5, Going Underground. Hello, this is Natasha, and I'm here with the latest in our series about Gladys, the smart but rather shy girl who wants to make it big in the music business. She has loads of talent and a lovely voice, but some people think she's not really cut out for performing. Gladys's school friends weren't really the clubbing sort. They were more into staying at home and reading a book or watching a murder mystery on TV. They were starting to throw parties, especially when Mum and Dad were kind enough to go out for Saturday evening. But they were still a bit young for clubs and gigs. They served drinks in those sorts of places. And in Britain, you aren't supposed to go into a bar on your own until you are 18 years old. She was somewhat surprised when Jamie, who was probably the coolest guy in her class, accepted her invite to her gig. Let's see if he actually turns up, she thought. Her friends, Sarah and JJ, said they were definitely coming. In fact, they agreed to travel together with Gladys. On the night they had trouble finding the club. They came out of the tube station, which was further east than any of them had ever been, and they walked over the bridge. The navigator on Gladys's phone was pointing to a grassy island surrounded by traffic. They managed to get across the road to it. But where was the club? According to the phone, they had arrived. It couldn't be that, could it? said JJ, pointing to a big metal sign and some steps leading down beneath the ground. Surely that's a public toilet, said Gladys. In fact, JJ was right. It was the club. The Throbinson's lead singer had bought an underground convenience and turned it into a nightclub. Well, this is a glamorous venue, said Sarah, as they hobbled down the stone steps in their high heels. It might not have been the most exclusive place in town, but it was still hard to get into. The man on the door said, You girls got ID? You see that poster? said Gladys, pointing to a picture of herself. That's me. I'm on. OK, said the guy, checking her face like a passport official. And what about you two? They're my roadies, said Gladys. I can't go on without them. And so her friends got in without paying. Better still, they were given tickets for free drinks at the bar. They ordered soft, fizzy ones. Tim and Jenny had already arrived and were checking out the mics. We're on at 8.30, said Tim. I don't suppose many people will be here so early. Perhaps that's a good thing seeing as this is your first live gig. By eight o'clock, the dank basement was starting to fill up with life. When Jamie arrived, Jasmine said, Who's that hanging on his arm? She wasn't from their school. Whoever she is, she looks like the cat who's got the cream, commented Sarah, obviously bitten by jealousy. Gladys was pleased to have some good-looking people in the audience, however, who seemed like they might have the pick of places to go on a Saturday night, and had decided to come and see her. Then she heard somebody say, Hey, isn't that Sam from the Chicks? She looked over her shoulder and saw her sister. Kisses and hugs swiftly followed. 
Well, Gladdy, said Sam. Now you know how we felt when we were starting out. Good luck to you, sis. I'm going to need it, thought Gladys. It was time to check her microphone. While the engineer was adjusting the boom down to her height, she could see that people were crowding around Sam to ask if the chicks were going to have a reunion concert anytime soon. She felt not a little cheesed off. Here she was, about to do her first gig, and she was still being overshadowed by Sam before she'd even sung a note. She couldn't see the lead singer from the Throbinsons. Presumably the main, perhaps the only reason to visit this dive, was to grab a glimpse of him. Perhaps he would turn up later. Meanwhile, Sam was giving the stargazers something to look at. Jez, the manager of the club, came up to Gladys and said, Great to meet you. You're on in five. I've asked your big sister to introduce you to the crowd, if that's okay. It wasn't really okay with Gladys. She wanted to do this her own way, but she couldn't really object. It really got everyone's attention when Sam from the Chicks stood on the stage. Well, hi, everyone, she said, smiling a starry smile. Sam looked kind of great. She was totally used to everyone's eyes being on her. She had grown quite tall over the last few years and had a slinky figure and a way of holding herself that gave out all the confident vibes that Gladys lacked. It's an unexpected pleasure for me, she said, to be standing here in this great little venue, about to introduce my very own little sis. There were claps and a few whoops from the crowd. Her name is Gladys. And when she was just a little baby, hardly out of nappies, we used to take her on tour with us. She lifted her arms in the air to generate a chorus of ahs from the onlookers. As I'm sure you've all heard, Gladys is actually the brainy girl in our family. This is her first time singing in public, and so please give up your warmest welcome for the one and only Gladys! She held out the microphone, and Gladys ran over to take hold of it. Gladys was half fuming because she wanted to shake off that sobriquet of brainy. She had to be cool and confident. She fumbled slightly as she placed the mic in the stand. Tim was already playing the opening bars of the music. Gladys opened up her eyes as wide as she could and tried to engage with the crowd. They were sort of a blur. She could just make out Sarah and JJ who were standing in the front row. There was nothing for her to do but sing. There was a big cheer for the song. Gladys did not feel excited, more relieved actually. Her next number was one she had to sing by herself at the piano. It was much harder on her own. Then playing the guitar and singing the song after that was even tougher and she fumbled some of the chords, but nobody seemed to notice. Somehow she got through it. It was an enormous relief to get to All We Want To Do Is Sing where she had voluminous backing music and vocals. Three girls were dancing at the front, 
but most of the others seemed only mildly interested. It was by no means a disaster. Thank you for being such a wonderful audience tonight. She heard herself call out before she left the stage, thinking to herself, that sounded corny. But what else could I say? At least the audience were clapping, if only politely. As she was walking back to the corner and the table that she and her friends had made their own for the night, she saw somebody standing in front of her that made her almost say out loud, Oh no, not her. Please don't tell me it's her. I'm imagining this. It can't be true. But it was true. A moment later, she was engulfed in a big bosomy hug and the smell of designer scent mixed with nicotine and gin. Mum, what are you doing here? She asked when she was released. I saw it on Facebook. I had to come, didn't I? That was exactly why some of her friends weren't on Facebook, so their mums couldn't see what they were up to. Why had she accepted a friend request from her? She knew why, because it was rude not to. As mums went, she was an unusual one. She had simply abandoned the family when Gladys was three years old, leaving them to the care of her dad. She upped sticks and moved to Australia to join the new man in her life. The older sisters, Laura and Mandy, never forgiven her and more or less refused to speak to her. Gladys and Sam were so young when it happened. However, they hardly remembered their mother at all. They only really remember their dad and his struggles with cooking and washing. After about a month of asking, Where's Mummy? They more or less stopped bothering. Later on, Gladys wondered if she had died or gone to prison. Now she was back in their lives, Gladys and Sam found her embarrassing at best. Actually, Gladys, said her mother, I've come to give you a good sound talking to. Step outside so you can hear what I've got to say to you. Gladys was wearing a skimpy dress, and it was quite nippy outside on the green. There was the roar of traffic all around, a police helicopter going overhead, and rowdy people out for a Saturday night was hardly the best place for a heart-to-heart -heart talk. But that didn't stop her mother. "'What's all this I hear about you giving up school?' she demanded. "'You know me, Mum,' said Gladys. "'I like to do things properly or not at all. "'I'm following my music career, full time.' "'Don't be such a foolish young flibbity-jib!' scolded her mother. And then she actually slapped her across the face. The slap didn't really hurt, but Gladys was stunned. What right did this woman who had abandoned her family have to do that to her? She actually laughed. Her mother went on. You're making a wrong decision, Gladys. You're messing up your chances in life. Well, you never said that to my sisters. They were different. They had what it takes to make it. Quite frankly, you looked silly up there on stage just now. You'd be better off in the church choir. Thanks, Mum, for your advice, said Gladys. When I want to know how to be totally irresponsible, I'll come and ask you how to do it. But I'm getting cold out here listening to this nonsense. And if you'll excuse me, I have to go back to my friends.
As she marched back into the club, the doorman who had just taken over the shift asked, Got any ID, love? That's my ID, she said, angrily pointing at the poster again, and marched past him. It was crowded inside now, and as she was making her way towards her friends, a man said to her, Hey, Gladys, loved your act. She looked at him. He was tall and skinny, about twenty or so. He seemed kind of cool. If you're looking for a manager, he said, just give me a call. And he handed her a card. At first glance, she thought it said that his first name was Dude. But actually, it said Dud. Presumably, it was short for Dudley. It sported the logo of an arrow, sort of mod style from the 60s. She knew about that sort of thing because her dad liked The Who. It said Scoot Music Limited, top representation for top acts. No, really, give me a call, said Dud. I'd like to take you places. There is a long way to go, and the best way is to get there fast. Why hang around, right? I'll think about it, said Gladys. Miss Music Maker And that was the fifth story in our series, Gladys Goes It Alone. Parents often tell us that their kids have hugely improved their vocabulary and knowledge of literature and culture by listening to Story Nori. If you value Story Nori, an easy and fun way to support us is to buy Gladys's album in real life, which is available in iTunes. Gladys is written by Bertie and narrated by me, Natasha and is one of my many free stories available at storynori.com. In the next edition, Gladys does something to herself that she thought she would never do. <laughs>